If a tree falls and no one is around to hear it, does it make a sound? Now I'm going to let you ponder on that question for a little bit. Welcome to Split Open. I'm your host, Amy J. Today's episode is all about an evening with Eckhart Tolle. So I went to see Eckhart in Sydney and I saw him at the Aware Super Theatre, which obviously got mentioned when he was there. It's very, very weird that he was at a place called the Aware Super Theatre. Now, if you're not really sure who Eckhart Tolle is or you're not that familiar with him, he's a spiritual teacher. He is all about being present, being in the moment, being conscious and aware. And you don't need to be familiar with his work, with his teachings to listen to this episode. I'm simply going to go over some of the key highlights, takeaways that I got from seeing Eckhart live. Now, if you are familiar with Eckhart, if you're anything like me, then some of his teachings can seem like they just don't make sense. You just don't understand it. You can't grasp it. So for example, when I read The Power of Now, one of the books that Eckhart has written, if you don't know about it, then I highly recommend reading it. But when I first read it, none of it went in. None of it made sense. I didn't really know what the hell he was talking about. But that was because I was at a certain stage of my spiritual journey where it was too complex for me. I hadn't gone through certain experiences. I hadn't opened my mind up to certain things for it to make sense. But I know that even though it didn't really make sense at the time, I still absorbed it subconsciously. So if you are like me and sometimes Eckhart is like, whoa, what are you even going on about? That's cool. Like, don't be disheartened by that. Know that you are on some sort of level taking in what he's saying and your subconscious is sort of figuring it out. And I'm sure you've had this. You'll have a moment where something just clicks, right? And you go, oh, I know what he was on about now. Because you'll be at that stage in your journey. You'll have experienced things, gone through things, opened up to things, and it will make sense to you. So with that said, I also wanted to make this episode about some of the key things that I took away from listening to Eckhart to kind of put it in my own terms and maybe you'll be able to relate to it a little bit more. Maybe it'll make more sense to you. Maybe you'll have heard Eckhart talking about some of these things, but it didn't quite compute in your brain. And this is what I've learned too. Sometimes someone can relay a message that you've already heard, but they say it in a slightly different way. And then that's when you get that moment where you go, oh, that light bulb moment. And it makes so much more sense to you. All right, so if spiritual stuff like this, philosophical things, talking about the deep life stuff appeals to you, then I would love it if you followed the podcast, rate and review if you can. And if you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe. So I've written down all of the things that I took away from seeing Eckhart Live and I've sectioned it off into four sections. So I'm gonna start with people and how we are. Then I'll move on to practicing presence. After that, awareness. And finally, spirituality and God. So before I dive into all of that, I just want to say, first of all, something that really stood out about Eckhart Tolle, and I already knew this about him, but seeing him live in person, having his energy in the same room was very different, but he's such a funny guy. And I think this surprises me because I expect spiritual teachers to somewhat be quite serious. And Eckhart, he literally came out and sat on the stage, didn't say a word. He must have sat there in silence for at least two to five minutes and obviously everyone is just watching him and then he breaks the silence with I'm just checking that everybody is present now obviously like I said if you're not that familiar with Eckhart Tolle he is all about being present he's all about being in the now the power of now that's what his book was called right he is about being present so that was just our energy our focus was so 
strong on him. We were just waiting, right? And to just come out with something funny straight off the bat. I mean, I, I loved it. Everyone laughed. It was a very good start to the show. But like I said, he's a funny guy in general and he made all these little remarks all the way through the show and it just added an energy, an uplifting energy. Like I said, I think it can seem quite serious and like you're trying to really understand what he's saying and or any spiritual teacher, but just adding that element of humor made it feel, I felt more connected to him, I guess. When I've listened to other spiritual teachers, when they don't have that humor element, I feel a little bit of a disconnect, almost like they are so far along on their spiritual journey. They are so much closer to enlightenment or whatever that there's that disconnect. They don't feel as human. But Eckhart Tolle does a great job of reminding you that he's still a human, right? He's still just a guy and he has a sense of humor. Okay, so Eckhart Tolle is funny, but let's move on to the first section, people and how we are. Now, this is kind of the deep and slightly dark, depressing, sad side of everything that he talked about. So he spoke about people in general use things to get a high out of life because their life generally is unsatisfying. It's depressing. They're not happy about it. So people will use food, drugs, alcohol, experiences, holidays, to get that high and people will wait for these experiences, right? I know that I've done this and you can probably relate, but if you're working that general Monday to Friday, nine to five, you are waiting for the weekend to do whatever you wanna do, right? Whether that's go out and eat, whether that's go out and party, whether that's go, go away for the weekend. And a lot of people aren't fully aware that they do that it's clear that that, that's what they do. And, you know, people will moan throughout the week when they're at work, like, oh, I can't wait for the weekend, living for the weekend and all of that. But there's not that deeper level of awareness to that, right? A lot of us don't realize that that is detrimental to us and we're not happy deep down because we should be living every single day, maybe not on a high, you know, maybe not high like we'd be high on the weekend on whatever substances we're taking but a level of contentment all the way through the week not literally just waiting and gripping onto when it is finally 5 p.m on a friday and this aspect of things now that i'm on a spiritual journey now that i am aware that that was how i was living before and that that is how the majority of people around me are living it makes me sad and it's one of these things where I want to shake people, people that I love, right? To wake up and be like, look, this is what's going on and trying to help them get onto that journey. But then this is another thing that Eckhart said that obviously you can't force people to go on a spiritual journey and you can't wake people up to how they are. You can't force awareness on people. You have to live by example. You have to inspire people. And even if you are living by example, that doesn't mean people are going to be inspired. It doesn't mean people will look at you and go, I want to live like they're living. And this is what Eckhart said. He said, most people, in order to get onto that spiritual journey, they need to go through some shit. They need to go through difficult times. Something needs to happen to evoke the want to change. And this is it, right? This is something that I had to learn on my spiritual journey. Like I said, I wanted to help people, those around me, the people that I loved. I wanted them to be on the same journey as I was. I wanted their eyes to be opened like mine were, but they hadn't gone through their shit. And maybe it seemed to me like they were going through their shit, 
You know, they weren't in great situations and their life could be better and I could see that, but people have different levels, right? And yeah, a lot of people do need to go through some serious shit in order for them to go, okay, no, I'm done with this. This is not what life should be. I need a different path. And like I said, to me, it seemed like they were suffering, like they were going through bad shit. But obviously to them, they weren't. It wasn't bad enough. And this also makes me really sad because I realized that, yeah, a lot of people do need to hit some sort of bottom a bottom for them. Now, I know people who have been near to death before they've changed. Just think about that. Some people need to be so close to death before they begin to change, before they want to live a better, happier life. Now, for me, I was nowhere near close to death when I started to really get onto this spiritual path. And this is also something that I've realized that The spiritual path doesn't have to be this sudden shift. And I think that's what I was expecting from other people. I was expecting them to realize, oh, I'm in a situation, I'm suffering, I am not happy. And then they just flip and they'll just meet me where I was on my journey. But with my journey, it's been going on for years and years and years. It's been such a long and slow progress. And I've realized this looking back, it's taken me years to get to where I am. Okay, I had some defining moments that propelled me onto that path faster. I moved along it quicker. I was more solidly on that path. Whereas, you know, beforehand, I'd dip a toe onto the path. I'd step a foot here and there, but then I'd kind of go backwards more steps than I was going forwards. But then I'm expecting other people to just get it, to wake up, to suddenly be like, okay, yeah, I'm with you, Amy. Now, yes, that can happen. I know people who have just suddenly woken up But those are the people who, like I said, were near death. Their circumstances were dire. They were extreme. But I'm still expecting everyone else who's, you know, just kind of going through life with their eyes closed to just wake up suddenly and get it. So if that's you as well, and I know this is very, very hard when you're on a spiritual journey, like I've already said, you want to help people. You want other people to open their eyes and to be happier and to learn about themselves, to grow. But you have to let that go. You have to really really work on letting that go because you cannot force it whatsoever. And then this moves into another thing that Eckhart really, really focused on. And I've noticed that other spiritual teachers focus on this. And I'm definitely going to bring out another episode around this because I've had something just sort of festering in my mind, trying to work through it. And I need to talk about it and discuss it. But anyway, it's about the narrative, the story, your identity. So everything that you've been told about yourself, everything that you believe about yourself, people hold on to that. So for example, I come from a single mother household. I was an only child. We didn't have that much money growing up and all of that. That is something that I can hold on to. And other people too, if they have traumatic experiences, they can hold on to that as well. And we use these things to define us. That is our narrative. And Eckhart talked about not believing that narrative not holding on to it, not creating an identity from basically the things that happen to you. Because that is not who you are in your essence, to your core. But this is hard. This is a hard thing to do when you have been this certain person, you have identified with your experiences and used them to 
create this narrative and story about yourself. So for example, when you meet new people or if you're going on a first date and things like that, you talk about yourself, you fill them in essentially, right? And it's like, okay, yeah, hi, I'm Amy. I'm an only child. I was raised only by my mother. My father wasn't really in the picture and we didn't have money growing up. So, you know, we didn't struggle, but I had to learn the importance of making my own money and standing on my own two feet. And, and this is one of those things that I've heard it and I've heard it over and over and over again from different sources. And it's taken a long time to even start to understand it on a really deep level because your mind can think about it and understand it. I think we can all understand it, right? We can think, okay, yeah, I get it. It's not about identifying with these things that have happened to us, these circumstances that were out of our control. It's not about that being who we are. Who we are is how we hold ourselves, how we treat other people, how quiet our mind is, how we handle ourselves in situations. Do we react or do we respond? Do we take a breath? That is who we are. It is not our past experiences. So yeah, we can understand that using our brains, but it's about feeling that. Then it's about living your life without using this narrative that you've been using to define yourself for as long as you can remember. Now with this point, what's really interesting is Michael Singer, if you don't know him, he's also another spiritual teacher, but Michael Singer in any interview, any talk, anything like that, when people ask him, what was his life like before his awakening? He doesn't talk about it. He doesn't discuss who he was before then, the things that happened to him, how he was raised or anything like that. I mean, here and there, he'll mention a little thing, but he won't go into it because he has disconnected from that narrative, right? He has disconnected from that identity that he had created that he was holding on to. Now, like I said, I wanna do a whole episode on this kind of thing, the narrative we have and disconnecting from that and and sharing stories and connecting and relating to people. I'm gonna do a whole episode because there's a lot going on in my brain around that. There's a lot to discuss, I think. But this was one of the major things that Eckhart talked about. And like I said, I feel like you have to first understand it and then digest it. It's definitely one of those things that you have to digest. You have to start to feel it and be at a certain point in your spiritual journey. I think like I've also said at a point where you're no longer just understanding things in your brain, you are starting to feel them on a different level. Okay. Now let's move on to practicing presence. I'm going to ask you again, if a tree falls and no one is around to hear it, does it make a sound? Now with this, my answer was always yes. Obviously it makes a sound. It doesn't just not make a sound all of a sudden. If it makes a sound when you're there to hear it, it's gonna make a sound when you're not there to hear it. So when Eckhart asked this question, my mind immediately went, yeah, it does make a sound. And then he went, no. And I was like, oh damn, okay, what's he gonna say? And then he said, there needs to be an ear and a consciousness attached to that ear in order for there to be a sound. And I was like, Okay, hold on. Let me think about that for one hot second. And when I did think about it, I was like, you know what? Yeah, of course. Sound only exists when there is a consciousness with an ear to hear it. And obviously I obviously I had never ever thought of it that way before. I had never thought about my consciousness or anyone's consciousness being attached to 
obviously our bodies and our senses, but I mean, obviously they are. Obviously it's all working together in whatever way it works together, right? But yeah, if a tree falls and there is no one, nothing around to hear it make a sound, then it doesn't make a sound. Now, I would love to hear your thoughts on this. I don't know if you agree, if you're like, I don't even understand this, or if you're like, uh, yeah, duh, how did I not know that before? But find me on Instagram at Split Open Podcast, send me DMs and all of that. I love to have these kind of discussions, especially on this, because like I said, I was like, damn, when he was like, no, no, doesn't make a sound. But this section is all about practicing presence. And you might be like, well, how is that practicing presence? But this moves on to another point that he made that really really stood out to me. I think this was the first thing that he said where I was like, wow, yeah, you're you're right. So Eckhart was talking about observing your surroundings. And obviously when you're a child, everything is new to you. You don't know what things are. Things don't have names, labels. So you're just looking around, especially when you don't fully understand language yet. So you're just taking everything in and you're taking it in for what it is. You don't have a name for it, but you're just taking in its essence. So he said, for example, if a child is walking through a forest with his father and he points to an oak tree and says, daddy, what's this? And his dad says, this is an oak tree. Now that child isn't seeing that tree. He is simply labeling it as an oak tree. He thinks that he knows what an oak tree is because he knows the name of it. And when Eckhart said this, I was like, damn again another damn (laughs) because that's so right like do you know what an oak tree is do you ever look at an oak tree and feel its energy and feel its essence and understand what it is on that level that you can't even explain with language because that's what it is right saying this is an oak tree it is just sound coming out of us into some sort of word in our language an oak tree is not an oak tree you do not know uh, and i don't even really know how to fully explain this like if you don't really get what i'm saying what eckhart was saying then you don't get it again i feel like a lot of this stuff is you have to feel it and understand it conceptually but also feel what we're saying because yeah and this is what eckhart highlighted too creating words and language to explain these things just doesn't work because you cannot you cannot fully explain things because That's not what we're all about. Okay, yeah, we need language to communicate and to understand certain things, but this is the whole thing where a lot of us are not present to our core to the point where we just feel things rather than looking at things and just labeling them. So this is the point. He was saying, observe everything around you, but don't label it. Okay, if there's an oak tree in front of you, don't go, oh, look at that oak tree. Empty your mind and just look at it take it in but also don't label the parts of it either so don't be like oh this is the trunk there's the bark look at the branches and the leaves just look at it and okay this is very difficult especially if your brain is always going a million miles a minute and naturally you look at things and go oh tree building plant bed chair whatever but if you just sit down and look at something and practice not labeling it like an oak tree and just feel what it is take it in its shape and all of that but don't label it that is what true presence is because you're not putting all of these preconceived words ideas onto anything you're just observing it now this is something that i'm definitely still practicing but when eckhart was talking about this 
It's exactly what I did in that moment. And he talks very slowly, right? He gives a lot of pauses. He gives you time to digest, to practice things as he's going through them. So when he was talking about observing your surroundings, that's what I did. He gave us some time and I just looked around the theater without labeling anything. And there was just a huge sense of calmness, deep understanding. And I almost felt like the space was vast around me. And and again, it's very difficult to fully describe because it's a feeling, right? It's a consciousness, a presence that you can only experience. You can't fully explain it. You can try like I just tried, like Eckhart tries. Like we all try to explain things. But unless you've experienced it, you can't fully know. So practice this, observe things, go for a walk and just look at things without labeling them, feel them and see how you feel. And remember that because you have names for things, labels for things, you don't know what it is. You just have a name for it. And all of this labeling and thinking about things was kind of the running theme through Eckhart's talk. He was talking about we conceptualize everything. We try and conceptualize everything. And that goes for oak trees and whatever else, but it also goes for people. And when he started talking about this, about how we also conceptualize people, this really struck me because I know that since I've been on this spiritual journey, like I said, wanting to also help other people get on a similar path, be happier and healthier. I've also realized that I try and conceptualize people too, because I have a deeper understanding of myself since being on this journey and a deeper understanding of people in general, how we are, then I find that I'm conceptualizing people. I'm like analyzing people, what they do, what they say, hearing their narrative, their story, their identity, and then creating this image in my head of what I think I know about them. And obviously we all do this. This is part of life in a way you meet people you observe people and then you make assumptions about them from what you're getting from them what they tell you what you can see so a funny example that Eckhart gave he was like look around look at the theater look at different people and he was like I'm sure you're looking at some people thinking well they don't look very spiritual you are it's judgment basically as well right so it's very true a lot of people giggled when he said that because yeah there were some people who looked like hippies and looked like typical stereotypical spiritual people but then you know what a lot of people a lot of people just looked like regular people and even before we got in there when we were all queuing up and going into the theater I was like are all these people here for Eckhart really because they they don't look like the stereotypical spiritual people but that's funny because neither did I going in but that just proves right that you make judgments you assume you know what someone is all about you think you can know who someone is but what I've also realized is that most people don't even know who they are a lot of people are asleep as we say right they aren't awakened to this the way of life the spiritual path and they don't know the deeper inner workings of themselves they're not aware of themselves so for us to look at others and put things together and think that we know them is absurd yeah okay you can make observations and you can extract certain things and you can be correct of course you can 
But I think it is very easy to observe people and delude yourself into thinking that you have them all figured out. That you know what they're thinking, that you know why they're doing certain things, you know why they act the way they act. And it's very easy to do this, to analyze people when you are on this spiritual journey, when you're learning about yourself and other people. It's easy to conceptualize others, to analyze others, but we shouldn't be doing that. It's like the oak tree. Look at people, observe people, but don't label them. Don't look at their clothes and assume that they're a hippie because they're wearing hippie style clothing. Don't make assumptions from how somebody speaks or what they speak about. Humans are so, so complicated. So why are we conceptualizing them, observing them and putting labels on them? There are so many layers. There's so much depth. We just have to take them in how they are without the labels, without the analysis. And yeah, this is so difficult. This is definitely one of the things that I think we can all understand it. We can conceptually understand it. Our brains get it. But living it and practicing it, that takes time. That takes so much time. But you have to practice it still, right? Don't just think that a switch is gonna go off and then you're suddenly gonna be like, oh, all humans, yeah, I don't get them. I'm just gonna let them be. You have to practice. And this is what I'm really starting to realize with a lot of spiritual stuff is you just have to keep practicing, keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it. And then one day, yeah, you'll go, oh, shit, I've made progress. Now, something else under this practicing presence that Eckhart said was about observing certain places. So this is all the same kind of thing, right? It's about observing things without labeling things, without conceptualizing them. But he gave the example of visiting a famous cathedral, for example. And obviously a lot of places like that, you can get audio guides or tour guides or whatever. You can listen to things as you walk around. You can learn about the space, how it was built, the people who designed it, all of that kind of thing. And this really struck me when he started talking about this because I'm very much the kind of person who will go to a place and I like to just take it in. And I didn't fully realize what I was doing until I went to see Eckhart and he was talking about this but I like to take it in. I'm not really too bothered about knowing the history inside and out, knowing exactly who designed this piece of a cathedral, right? I like to go and look and feel the energy in a place. And this is exactly what he was talking about. He was saying, what is the point of learning about the space if you're not gonna take it in? Okay, you can visit a cathedral, let's stay with that example. And you can get the audio guide and you can wander around and you can learn about certain things. That's interesting. That's cool. But if that's all you're doing, then it's a waste. You're not feeling the true essence of that place. Like I've just outlined, you're not observing it for what it is. You're not feeling it. What is the energy like in that space? What's the temperature like? How are other people moving around the space? What are the energies coming off of them like? And I think a very relatable thing on this topic is when people go places, they'll snap a picture, get someone to take a picture of them at the place, and then that's it. It's basically just being like, look, I went to this place. And it's like, cool, you went there, but did you feel it? Did you take it in? Did you appreciate it? Did you have an experience there? Or did you just get a picture and then walk off? Because the amount of people I've seen doing that is unbelievable. I'm also one of these people that I'll probably take a picture near the end if I think about it, depending on what it is, where I am and everything. But overall, I wanna go to a place and I wanna feel it and I wanna take it in and absorb it. But as I said, I didn't realize that this was what I was already doing 
until Eckhart was talking about it. I knew that's what I did, but not on that same kind of level. I wasn't conscious that I was being present basically. I was practicing presence going to these kinds of places. But I also realized, and this has always annoyed me, people will ask me about certain places. So yeah, I've been to some cathedrals, right? People are like, oh yeah, tell me about it. And I'm like, it was cool. It felt really whatever, right? And I'll explain my experience, but they're like, no, what's the history? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Even my mom visited Sydney not too long ago and she was asking me about certain places and the history and all of that. And I'm like, I don't know. I've just gone there and taken it in and enjoyed myself. I've experienced the energy there. I was present in the moment, enjoying that place. But a lot of people wanna conceptualize these places, right? Instead of just taking it in. And then the final thing under practicing presence, Eckhart really drove home to just be still. Stop thinking. Now, obviously when you say stop thinking, it's like, yeah, okay, yeah, right. And also just quickly, obviously a lot of people say that the point of meditation is to stop thinking, which it isn't. It's to observe what's coming into your mind and then releasing it. So I think that's kind of what Eckhart is saying. It's to practice that stillness. It's to practice releasing your thoughts because yeah, you can't just turn a switch and stop thinking, if only, right? But this is why I've put this under the practicing presence section. You just have to practice releasing thought, being still. Stop labeling everything, just observe, feel. Now this moves into the awareness section. So Eckhart said, are you aware that you're aware? And this isn't like a huge talking point that I'm gonna go into, but he said, are you aware that you're aware? And you could almost feel the whole space kind of tilt their head and start thinking about it. And then immediately he was like, don't think about it. And yeah, that made everybody giggle too. But I don't know, there was just something about that moment. Maybe you had to be there in that moment. Maybe there was sort of like an energy shift when he said that and then was like, no, 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 don't think about it. But it goes back to that feeling things, right? Are you aware that you're aware? Now just sit there in stillness. Are you aware that you're aware? Don't think, just feel. Now, when you do that, you can feel something, right? You can feel that there's something. If you can't, maybe you're not aware that you're aware. I don't know, this is all just me talking. But if you could feel something in that stillness, in that silence, then you're probably aware that you're aware. And that's what he was talking about. You have to feel it. Don't think about being aware. Stop using your brain, feel. Now, circling back to the meditation thing, Eckhart also said that there is no point meditating every single day, if that is the only time you feel calm, you feel grounded and your mind is quiet. Now I've heard other people talk about this and when other people have talked about it too, it's hit me and I'm like, yeah, it's so right. And Eckhart didn't say this directly, but this is what I took from it. So obviously he outlined that people chase highs essentially, whether it's through food, experiences, drugs and alcohol, all of that kind of thing, right? We're all trying to, get some sort of high and escape from our reality, our life. It's just not what we want. So we need that high. But if you are meditating, okay, your intentions are good. You're trying to do something different. You're trying to change. But if you are meditating 
once, twice a day for 30 minutes, well, however long you're meditating every day. If that is the only time you are calm and grounded and your mind is quiet and the rest of the day is a show, what is the difference to going out and having a drink? I mean, obviously meditating is much better for you. It's definitely a healthier option. Meditate instead of going out drinking, definitely. But you're still chasing some sort of high. The whole point of meditation is to practice it all day. And I think this is something that I didn't realize when I first started meditating. And I was definitely chasing that high. I was getting into meditation. I was starting to have new sensations and experiences. I could feel myself going deeper into my meditations. And I was trying different types of meditation too. And it was fun and it was exciting and it was cool. But it was pretty much the equivalent of getting high off of a substance for a little bit. And then the rest of the day was shit. I wasn't aware of myself. I was using meditation to escape. So you can definitely use these spiritual practices, these healthy things in an unhealthy way. And I really, really realized that when Eckhart was talking about it. So if you are someone who is, maybe you're fairly new to this whole spiritual stuff and this meditation stuff and mindfulness and becoming more aware of yourself. So be mindful that you might be using meditation as your escape. And like I said, yeah, okay, it's much better than going out and getting drunk and, or whatever the hell your other escape used to be. But now you need to translate your meditation, your calmness, feeling grounded, how you release your thoughts during that meditation. And you need to take that through out your day. So if you meditate in the morning, hold on to that feeling and come back to that feeling when you're having moments throughout the day. And that's what I started with. It's that whole practicing presence, right? And becoming more aware. So throughout the day, if something pissed me off, instead of just having a crap day from then on, I would come back to how I felt within my meditations, right? And how I released my thoughts during my meditation. So something pissed me off. My mind went, this is BS, blah, 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 or angry. And then I'd be like, oh no, I need to release that. Just let it go. And this moves on to another point that Eckhart made, which is you need to accept every moment as it is. Because any moment can be made positive or negative, but that is completely up to you. And this is so true, right? So a silly example that I always remember, my fiance, he dropped a piece of bread on the floor. He just put peanut butter on it. And obviously it fell peanut butter face down. But how he reacted to that was like somebody just shot him in the leg. He was so angry, so upset. It was like the world was ending, right? And this is the perfect example, okay? Slightly silly maybe, but this is the point. Every moment is what it is. He dropped a piece of bread. He was gonna have to make another one. That was the situation. How he reacted is what turned that into a negative scenario. And realizing that you can accept each moment just for what it is, it is what it is, without attaching emotion to it. This is something that I've talked to people about and they just don't get it. And if you don't get it, you don't get it, right? You're not there, you're not ready to understand it, you haven't absorbed it enough. But a lot of people don't realize that you are in control, okay? Emotions may come up. You're not necessarily in control of your emotions, especially in the beginning, especially when you're first starting to learn about yourself and grow. So for me, I've noticed that now that I'm getting further and further along, my emotions seem to be more in check. So things that would make me emotional in whatever way before 
aren't affecting me as much. Those emotions aren't arising, but that's because I've been practicing this where it is just accepting each moment as it is. It is what it is. And the more you practice that, the more, like I said, yeah, your emotions won't be so haywire and crazy, but people don't get that. People don't want to take responsibility for themselves. Again, like I said, maybe your emotions aren't in check. Maybe they do crop up, but how are you gonna respond? Are you just gonna react straight away? Let it take control? Or are you gonna take a breath, take a moment and go, okay, I'm feeling angry. Let me release that because there is no point getting angry that I dropped the bread on the floor. You see what I'm saying? And like I said, some people don't wanna accept that basically and think that they aren't in control. If they get emotional, they get emotional and they're just gonna let that emotion run its course. And that's how it will be for you if that's what you believe, right? But if you can understand and start to feel that you do have some control and you can start to practice how you respond to things, and that's the key word, respond, not react, you're gonna feel so much calmer. Things are gonna feel so much less intense and extreme. You're just gonna feel more content. And this is another funny point that Eckhart made is that you are always gonna come across difficult people. Now I'm gonna put difficult in air quotes because people are only difficult if you allow them to be difficult, if you read them as difficult, if you react to them being difficult. And again, some people don't wanna realize this, right? It's how you are in response to things, in response to people. It is only ever our own issue. Because think of it this way, right? Say someone irritates you and then you spend all evening bitching about them to your friend or your partner. They don't know that you're bitching about them. They don't know that they've affected you in that way. So who are you hurting? Yourself. They don't know, they don't care. You've perceived them as difficult. Now you're holding on to that and now you're bitching about it. That's a you problem. Sorry, but that's a you problem. You cannot blame that other person for being difficult, for irritating you, whatever it is. That is on you. Okay, yeah, some people are more difficult. I know this. I work for myself. I offer proofreading, editing, writing services. And I work with some clients who are a breeze. Some clients are like, here is my budget. Here is my word count. Here is what I need and when I need it by. Perfect. Thank you. Easy peasy. Other people, I have to ask 50 questions just to get two answers out of them. You know, some people are more hard work. But do I bitch and moan about the people that I have to ask 50 million questions to? No, I just ask the questions and we get there in the end. It is what it is. Now let's move on to the final section, spirituality and God. Now, depending on where you are on your spiritual journey, this section might feel a little bit woo-woo, a little bit out there, a little bit like your brain hurts trying to figure it out and understand it. But stay with me, stay with me because you never know when you're gonna get something out of something, right? And like I said at the beginning, you never know when someone is going to explain something, say something, and it just clicks in your brain. You will all of a sudden understand it a lot more and you can feel what they're trying to say. So first up, Eckhart was talking about that we all need to realize that we are all one. And this is something that is very deep at least from my perspective, maybe for you, you get this. You're like, we are all one, we are all connected. I get it, I feel it. And that's and that's just how it is for you. That's awesome. But if you are like me and 
I can definitely conceptualize this. I can understand this in my brain. I can think about it and I get it. But do I feel it? Not always. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I can be in a place. I can be talking to somebody, whatever situation experience I'm having. And I can feel that. I can feel that we're all connected. I can feel that we are all one. But it's also one of those things when I hear people talk about it and even when I'm talking about it now, we are all one. It just sounds so woo-woo and out there, right? But I know that's my conditioning, right? That's society and the masses being like, oh yeah, yeah, we're all, we're all one, whatever. But I think if you break it down, it's about not judging, not judging people. Because like we said before, you can observe people, you can make assumptions, you can conceptualize people think you have them all figured out but you don't you don't know anything about people even those closest to you you don't know everything you don't understand everything so even if this aspect of things does still kind of sound woo woo and out there and like yeah yeah whatever Eckhart said that we can all still release judgment and we can approach people approach everyone with love and oneness I guess it's kind of trying to see yourself in everyone else and realizing that, okay, we have our differences, but it's looking at those similarities, right? We are all going through life. We are all trying to figure out our career, our relationships, our family, friends, all of that. We all have very similar worries, fears, insecurities. There can be some drastic differences between people, but to our essence, to our core. And I think the pandemic highlighted this, right? Just being in that shared experience, you could feel that connection with everybody because we were all going through the same thing at the same time. And I think it's very easy to feel that disconnect from others and not realize that we are all one when people are at different stages in their life. So for example, obviously I'm on a spiritual journey. I'm going to see Eckhart Tolle live at Sydney Super Aware Theater. And some of my family and friends do not get that. If they listened to Eckhart, they would be like, I have no effing clue what he is going on about. Or he would sound all woo-woo and weird and blah, blah, blah. So obviously, yeah, that is a difference. And there can be a disconnect. But am I just trying to figure out life? Yeah. Are my friends and family just trying to figure out life? Yeah. Does it look different? Yes. But is it the same? Yes. Eckhart then went on to talk about how we are all connected to God, to God the one to whatever the hell you want to call it and he also went back to the whole trying to conceptualize things and weirdly trying to explain god the one with our language you just can't do it you cannot explain what god is what the universe is what the one our connection you cannot explain it with words but he said that and then he went on to try and explain it. I mean, yeah, obviously we still have to try and explain it. And this is the whole thing. It's about trying also to connect with each other. And again, like I said, if Eckhart explains it and it makes sense to me, and then I explain it in my own words and it makes sense to you, we are passing on the message. We are helping each other grow and understand things and feel things. So trying to explain God and our connectedness isn't a failed attempt it is in a lot of ways because we will never be able to capture the true essence of it because because it is just words and it is just language and you have to feel it but if the words can help people move towards feeling it then it's definitely not a fail so how Eckhart put it he was talking about 
ripples in an ocean. So he said that each one of us is a ripple in the ocean. But the thing is, none of us are separate from that ocean. We are all a part of that ocean. That ripple is the ocean. And when you realize that you are a ripple, but you are also the ocean, you will realize that you are God. And everyone around you is God. And everything is God. We are all one. And again, this also sounds so out there, but I love that analogy, the ripple. Because you can look at a ripple like you can look at a person. You can see that ripple. You can see that person separate from all the other people, from all the other ripples. But when you step back and look at it, that ripple is the ocean. It is not an entity, a thing that you can extract from the ocean because it is the ocean. So you can look at a person, but you can't extract them from everyone else, from everything, from God. And now I don't know if I'm explaining that and making you go, oh yeah, I get it or not. I still am working on it. I get it. Like I said, I get it. My brain gets it. And there are moments when I can feel that and I really understand it to my core. I feel it. It's not just me thinking about it. But yeah, at other times I'm like, no, I don't get it. Oh no, not today. (laughs) But I think on those days where I don't get it, where I'm not feeling it, it's because I'm having an internal struggle. Now Eckhart talked about different planes and this really hit home for me. And you'll probably get this too. If you're on a spiritual journey, especially when you're relatively new, or maybe you've had some sort of awakening or, you know, a second awakening or just some things are moving and shifting. And you're in this place where you're figuring things out. It can feel like the regular world just doesn't make sense. And you're questioning everything. And chances are you're not really liking the answers that you're getting back. And you just want to live in this spiritual world, right? You want to be connected and you want to be free and you want to be happy and healthy and content and be surrounded by nature and surrounded by other people who get it. And you don't want to go through all the regular life shit. You don't want to live in the regular world. You basically want to be on another planet, right? You want to be in that spiritual realm or whatever you want to call it. It's very difficult when you do awaken, if that's what you want to call it, when your eyes are opened, when you are going on this spiritual path. It's difficult to find where you fit in and how to fit in. And sometimes you don't want to fit in in the regular world. But Eckhart said there are planes. So the horizontal plane is the regular world, right? We all have to earn money in some way. We all have relationships. We all have to deal with governments and certain things wherever we are in the world. That's just life, that's regular life. You have to do that on some level. But then he also talked about the vertical plane. Now the vertical plane is the now. It is presence, obviously, because that's what Eckhart is all about. But the vertical plane is presence, this moment. And that is what connects you to God, to the spiritual consciousness. And the thing that really hit home for me was when Eckhart said that you need one foot in each plane, one foot in everyday regular life and one foot in the spiritual life. And what I got from that is that you have to find how to be spiritual in everyday life. And that is what I really struggled with. It makes sense. 
Like when he said it, I was like, yeah, yeah, okay, obviously, duh. But it's not that easy. And none of this is that easy. It is practice, it is time, effort, energy. But when he said you need one foot in the vertical plane, one foot in the horizontal plane, bring in that spiritual life into the everyday, that is what it's all about. Because, okay, perhaps you can somewhat escape everyday life. You can build your life so that it is leaning more towards the spiritual side. You can build a house in nature, in a certain area of the world. Maybe it's a community of like-minded people. You know, there are ways to live a more spiritual life. There are ways to encompass yourself within all of that kind of thing, but you still do have to do regular life on some level, right? And leading a spiritual life, learning about yourself, evolving, growing, connecting, It's not about bitching about the everyday stuff that you have to do. You have to find the joy in that. You have to find the presence in that. You have to be aware in that everyday stuff. And when Eckhart was talking about this, it really hit home because it made me understand it more. It made me feel it more and want to practice it more. But it also made me realize that I was already shifting into that. I was finding that presence in the everyday. And let's face it, if you can be present in this world, especially right now, then you are doing amazingly. You are killing it. To be calm and collected and not living in fear and worry, that is a blessing. All right, so those are all of the things that I got from seeing Eckhart Tolle live. Please rate and review the podcast if you enjoyed this episode. Subscribe if you are watching on YouTube. And if you wanna talk about any of this, then leave me a DM on Instagram, at Spit Open Podcast. I would love to chat to you guys. Thank you so much for your presence in listening to this episode. I appreciate all of you. Take care.